Hello everyone and welcome to the Artistic Futures podcast. My name is Marie and in this series I will be meeting a range of people who work in opera and are keen to share their passion with the next generation. From singers to conductors, directors to composers, you will get an insight into how a range of artists built on their careers, turning what they enjoyed doing and were good at into a profession. It will also be full of useful tips and advice for those of you who would be tempted to give it a go. So, let's get started. In this episode, I caught up with designer Anna Yates. We met at the end of an Opera North Youth Company rehearsal at the Howard Opera Centre. Anna has been designing the set and costumes for our new youth production of Bundibar. Originally from Australia, she studied design for stage and film at Tisch School of the Arts at New York University. Her work spans the mediums of opera, film, theatre and dance, and she is especially interested in the intersections between these forms in site-specific and immersive performances. In 2017, Anna also worked as a market modeler on the stop-motion animated feature film I Love Dogs, directed by Wes Anderson. Thank you so much for being here today. So you've been all day at the Howard Opera Center for the Brindy Barrier. So, so it's the end of a long day. So I really appreciate <laughs> you taking the time speaking to me. No, of course. The first question I wanted to ask you is, what does a theatre or opera designer actually do? What do we do? So we figure out exactly how the stage is going to work and what the scenery on stage is going to look like and um, uh, work with the director to figure out how the cast is going to interact with the stage setting and what they're going to wear through the show. And that's it basically in a simple nutshell. But in uh, the bigger picture of it is that we um, work with a director to figure out the concept of the production about why, why we might be doing this show now and what we want to say about it what type of show we want it to be and what, yeah, how we want to communicate with the audience. So all, all levels of ideas relating to the show and then specifically the set and costumes. Yeah, so it sounds like it's, it's a massive job in itself and, and how long usually does it take to come up with these ideas and, and the concepts and then move into building mm. a set and costumes? Is it a long process? It sort of fits into whatever time you have, in a way. Mm -hmm. It's sort of, you make it work um, depending on the, the schedule. But, um, yeah, it, it usually takes maybe, oh, yeah, it's really hard to, to give a time frame. But, um, so it depends on the production, probably? It depends yeah. on the scale of the show, and yeah. it depends on how difficult the show is and I heard PJ say the other day that sometimes it's more difficult when the text of the piece is quite old so it's harder to figure out how to how to update it and set it today or, yeah. or what you want to say about it if if the values are different yeah I suppose with opera there's often that that side of thing going on where yeah. operas have been written like 150 years 200 years ago and you have to yeah. make it relevant for For today, so yeah, yeah exactly. that's quite interesting. Yeah. So the 19th century ones take a little bit more work and imagining to figure out how, yeah. to, how to do now. Sometimes, but really depends. Yeah. yeah. 
It's not necessarily the type of career that people might know much about or aspire to. I'm very curious to find out how you got into into it. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, well, it's sort of... Uh, One version of the story is that I was um, I was watching all of the extended edition Lord of the Rings documentaries for like 24 hours. Oh yeah, and I really loved Lord of the Rings, and I watched the people um, making chainmail and big large scale rings to shoot on film, and all of the costumes, and it just looked like the most fun thing to do with your life to be involved like that in in building a world that was imagined. So. so it came more from the cinema side of yeah, it did. It did. films, and then and then how did you get into the world of opera? Is that well? Well, I I think so. It, I was really excited by cinema, so I just wanted to be a film designer. Yeah, and then I was looking around at the best place to study because I wanted to do a masters in and um, learn that way, and. Um, The school that I went to, they taught um, theatre design as a first preliminary subject and then you could go into film design. So I did it that way. And it just so happened that I really enjoyed, I sort of was introduced uh, to opera at that time and I really enjoyed designing for opera. And it seemed to be... I think there's something... Cinematic is the wrong word, but in both cinema and opera you combine music and atmosphere yeah, yeah, yeah. with story. That's whereas true, yeah. there's something about theatre which is very text based that is is a sort of of a different it has a different feeling and I'm more interested in the a little bit more uh, abstracted, weird worlds of um, of cinema and opera and music videos I think music videos and opera are really similar, and so okay. I, I, yeah, I like both of those. That's really interesting, that, yeah. Yeah. I think that's not necessarily something people would think of, but <laughs> no. I think it's cool. Yeah. yeah. And, I, I mean, you said, you said, so you saw, you saw these films, and you thought, oh, it would be great to do that, but d did you manage to speak to anyone who was doing th that kind of work at the time, before you started studying, or is it after researching where you wanted to study that you then mm. made all these contacts? Ah, oh, well, there was a middle period, so because uh, I watched all of that and I thought that was good, and I was lucky that um, my mum was an art teacher and she she knew that it was a job, and I said yeah. I want to be a costume designer, and she said, "Well, oh, I think you'd be good as a production designer. You should look bigger, and not that not necessarily that that's bigger, but she said, I don't know, look at the big picture. Yeah. You could do this whole thing. Yeah, and um, and I said, oh, yeah, that could be fun. And so uh, when I went to undergrad I studied film theory and English literature and art history and so I was sort of all of the areas that I just happened to be interested in yeah. they also converge on um, on theatre and film and opera design and um, so I also on the side volunteered at the film school to um, to help out the designers who were studying design see, there yeah, yeah. and so then I ended up like scraping paint off cupboards and stuff for them in preparation for their for their student film shoots and calling people to ask if they could donate um violins and trying to to fake like modern art paintings yeah. and things for them so I got That's an cool. insight into how that worked and and I sort of shadowed, shadowed that designer on her um film shoot 
And so I could see that was the first time I saw how it actually worked firsthand. Okay. And I enjoyed doing that. So, yeah, I talked to her. and um, But I sort of took a bit of a big leap because I didn't really know anyone. Yeah. Yeah, I just went for it. That's great. Yeah. That's great. And and so you went on to do a postgraduate, like, really specialised. Do you feel that that um, course really gave you what you needed to then move on doing yeah. a career as a designer? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. It was it was a three-year three master's course, okay. and it was extremely intensive, so that they, when I first started, the chair of the program told me that I had to make sure that I got six hours of sleep at night. Oh, wow. <laughs> so <That's> intense. <laughs> when she said that, I was like, what? <laughs> Everyone always says eight hours. But oh, I need my eight hours for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, and that turned out to be true. We just, oh. I just tried to make sure I got six hours, which I didn't always get, but it was really, really intensive. But there I learned skills of um, computer drafting, Photoshop, but also on the side we had design classes where we learned just what questions to ask of a design and what to think about in the text. But what was your first experience of designing a show of your own like? <laughs> I just I've had a lot of early ones of, of having to do everything myself. Yeah. Or or maybe one that you really liked working on or well my I guess my first show where I had a a, a budget and people to support me like a workshop that were building things and that was my um university final show my master's final yeah. show and that was um yeah it was just really exciting to have a concept and the director was very open open-minded and um and then to see it, the process through from start to finish and work with props people and the workshop and to do something kind of wacky so we, the show was called the liar And it was set in the Tuileries in um, Paris, in Paris, and it was a uh, it's a French farce, but it was um, updated in English. It was a very silly, fake sort of comedy. So yeah. um, we I, I designed big hedges that um, sort of felt a bit like Tuileries hedges, mm -hmm. um, but they were all covered in a sort of um, plasticky glitter, oh, so right. that yeah. it just felt a little bit fake and glam and um, really silly and it was yeah it was really fun that's great yeah you very interestingly made a link between music videos and opera but I was wondering if there's a difference between designing for film and for theatre um, hmm. and what what that difference is yeah it's really interesting there's many differences but in um, if you're designing for film often it's assumed that it will be naturalistic so that the spaces will be quite um you know, believable. Yeah. Uh, and so that's an assumption that usually you're working with. So that's a big difference, whereas often in, in theatre, because you have to change scenes in the same space, um, often you can't make it naturalistic because also because the budgets are much smaller. <laughs> that might be a big difference. So does that mean you can be a bit more imaginative when you go into the world of theatre and opera or kind of. do you have more freedom to go a bit crazy <laughs> with your yeah, ideas? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. It's sort of, uh, it, it can do or it can be more conceptual because it sort yeah. of has to be because you can't afford to make it yes. look real. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, film is, I think a lot of the imagination in film is in editing and in um, a montage of one image versus another image. So 
uh, what's nice about theatre, and one of my teachers sort of told this to me and it made sense, the nice thing about theatre is that you become the editor as well. So in theatre you have more more creative influence over more aspects of the whole piece than in film you have a compartmentalised sort of you're designing the spaces but everybody else a lot of other people will figure out how those spaces are shot yeah and um but in in theatre and opera you get to decide how how, how, to, it, yeah, or how everything is going to look yeah, yeah how yeah. to organise the focus yeah how, how to help the audience to um focus on certain elements or not on others and also how to transition between what what that moment between scenes is like going from one scene to the next yeah that's your responsibility in theater as well mm-hmm. and the the culture as well is a bit more collaborative between designers and directors in general so i really enjoy it working in theater and opera where it's assumed that i'll have a lot to say about the concept of the piece yeah yeah. And and where do you, I mean, it's, it's maybe a tricky question, but where do you get inspiration from? <laughs> um, I don't know, do you have a, a certain process when you, you start working on a show to find inspiration? Yeah, yeah. I'm glad that I did a, some study in art history and also throughout, because my mum was an art teacher, I had a lot of, I just grew up with it. Mm-hmm. So often um, a piece will uh, trigger like associations of certain artists or movements or ideas that I can be like oh that's a bit like those people and so then I can research their works and that takes me down rabbit holes of other research Mm -hmm. to think about the connections of ideas and how other people have visualized those concepts. So there's quite a lot of research involved at the beginning of a project. Yeah lots of research like oh yeah maybe I'll go and look at forests or how people have done forests or how, how have people uh, I'm trying to think of examples, but specific places like what does an orphanage look like? Lots yeah. of orphanage research, yeah, yeah, yeah. like really yeah, yeah. simple, basic level stuff. And, and do you gather like pictures? Do you, yeah, yeah, it's a lot of, of Google yeah. image search and yeah. saving images. Yeah, but also um, that stuff's really useful. But on the other side is the just totally dreaming side of things, where the connections might not be clear or the associations aren't clear. But what I really like is to just go to a, a library or a bookshop and pull out books at random from the photography section. Oh, yeah. And then, or the art section, and then just look through books. And then images will, um, will come out that feel, that feel right for the piece, mm-hmm. even though you're not really sure why. And so you sort of, by doing that, I, it's like a free association yeah, thing yeah, yeah. where um, ideas will come up that I haven't... Um, I don't understand yet and that's when you come up that's when I have the most interesting ideas is is when it's not as directed I guess yeah. what would you say is the more challenging in the work you are doing as a designer I think the most obviously challenging thing is just dealing with um, logistics and budgets and when you have an idea of what you want to do and then trying to figure out how to make it work with the money you have um, that's Maybe that maybe I'm saying that because that's where I'm at with a few projects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's always yeah in the arts. Uh, well, I suppose in everything, it's always yeah you know limitation that you get 
yeah. with the money you can, you've you've got to work with. Yeah, it? yeah, it's true. But maybe that's always that's always the collision in art is somehow mm-hmm. making. But sometimes ideas. sometimes that's how you get really great ideas as well because yeah you can't do the way you would do it so you need to find other ways of yeah it's doing, it's yeah. true it's true it sort of forces you to figure out what's important yeah but at the same time I I don't I'm not as I don't know. I don't always agree with that idea that that limitations make you help you be more creative. Yeah, because right. okay. I feel like that's a way that arts can be artists can be given less support than they need. That's a very good point. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I think that the more support and money you have, generally the better. Yeah. But you do always need a sort of you need somebody who is in in charge of logistics and will push back. Yes. So that is really necessary. recently working uh, on designing a show for us at Pornoff for the youth company called Brindy Bar. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit <laughs> about it? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so um, Brindy Bar, uh, the show is about uh, kids who need to get some milk for their for their mum who's sick and they, um, they go out to get some milk from the milk seller but they don't have any money and the milk seller won't give them any milk for free and they so the kids realise they're in a really hard world that won't that won't support them when they need support. Also, there's a mean ice cream seller and a mean policeman. And into that world, or into the town square, to be specific, comes Brundabar, who is an organ grinder, um, which is someone who um, just makes music without much effort and then earns money and often has a monkey on a chain, traditionally. And uh, Brundabar is sort of the tyrant of the square and um, chases the kids off with the policeman. And then the kids don't know what to do because they just need to make their mum better. But some animals come to help them and say that they will um, give them support and help them out. And um, the animals call a bunch of school kids out to um, to help them. And they all sing together in the town square. And and finally, the, the people of the town listen to them and give them some money so that they can buy some milk for their mum but in our production the milk seller gives them the milk for free anyway. PJ the director and I are really excited about the idea of kids who um, support each other and come together and listen to each other um, and raise their voices for causes and and their beliefs and their values of what's important to them and um, that together they can make the adults listen basically which um, chimes with a lot of recent events and history as well where often young people have a clearer view of what they want the the future to be and um, at the moment it's about um, 
climate issues of um, the climate crisis and um, also LGBTQ plus um, advocacy mm-hmm. and Black Lives Matter as well. And it's the young people who often have a more um, positive and inclusive vision of the future and more radical too. And mm-hmm. it's sort of what I feel and what PJ feels is, is important now. And um, so it, it felt like a good uh, connection and, and really clear that um, that these kids in in the opera are they just need they just need something and the adults won't give it to them for no good reason yeah and um and so we wanted to draw out that aspect of, of the show yeah. have, have you been uh, involved in other education project before or is it the first time you're, you're involved in this kind of project uh No, it's like it's the first time. Yeah, okay. I'm really happy. I've, there's been a, a few shows I've worked on recently that have been about teenagers without much involvement and without me really knowing any teenagers. Yeah. So I've been really happy to, to work with kids and um, and we PJ and I felt it was important that um, the kids in our show, the performers, had some input into their costumes that they were wearing because... Uh, Because if we as adults just told them what to wear, that would be totally undermining the concept of yeah, the show. Of course, yeah. <laughs> so have they come up with interesting ideas? Yeah, yeah. So I sort of came up with some ideas based mm-hmm. on um, activists and uh, in de- various fields and areas, and then um, they came back with uh, with basically wanting more intersectional uh, ideas of those characters of. of Uh, a cat that is both a climate activist but also LGBTQ plus oh, yeah, cool. um, yeah. activist. So I've, I've uh, sort of tried to move them more towards towards both of those areas mm-hmm. rather than them just being a climate person or just being yeah, a... Yeah, just not having all these boxes but yeah. then mixing things a bit. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's really interesting. Yeah, that's so that's good. been great. Yeah. Do you think it's important to work with younger generation in this way and... Um, to inspire them by involving them in shows like this. Yeah, it's true. I guess my perspective at the moment more is like to be inspired by them or and to take on to to try and support their voices and what they want to do with the world and and to not and to try and um yeah, promote the idea that that adults should be more humble about about their uh position and their power and and rights and Um, more open to voices that have been traditionally considered smaller, basically. Mm-hmm. If you had one tip to give to a young person who might be curious about designing for opera or theatre or film yeah. um, and might envisage a career in the industry, what, what would that be? Um, I, I, think, I think it's to be... Uh, really open and um, driven and um, imaginative I don't know I the way to, to to make it is to just keep trying out different things and just keep saying yes and like being having initiative to go and look for the people who are doing what you want to do and uh, and just asking them how that how they do it and whether you can join in or help out and And just be amongst the people that you want to be with. Just yeah. go and do it and be with those people. I don't know if that sounds a bit vague, but... Um, yeah, I think that's what I've generally just tried to do. I've, ha- I've had a look around to see what 
what seems possible and what other people do and then I try and find those people so uh, when I I moved to the UK and I didn't know many people here at all especially in set design I looked up the shows that were on in um, at, in the theatres and found out who was designing them and looked up what their designs were like and then just emailed those people and asked if they needed um, an assistant so that by that point I had enough skills that I could be hired as an assistant but that's an example of you just just look out and find the people and get in touch with them and ask ask them if you can help out or volunteer or be uh, yeah. I mean you should ideally you should be paid but when you're starting out that's a bit hard but it's hard yeah yeah so did you have to to do like jobs on the side to start with or how did you manage that transition yeah, yeah. I was quite lucky the The program I did, I learned um, computer drafting skills, okay. which um, many set design programs don't teach. So I sort of had a, a bit of a jump on a lot of the people in the UK. So I managed to get work quite quickly. Yeah. But um, yeah, <laughs> the last six years I've been working as an assistant and also as a, as a designer on smaller shows. And so I'm trying to trying to make connections with directors that I like and that I get on with and working even on very small things um, and then you're doing the work and you're meeting the people and it, it's just like being in the right place meeting the people because yeah. it's also it, as freelancers people will hire the people they like and they've worked with already yeah and um, so it's like getting into the circles and doing good work and being really keen and um, and having a lot of initiative Is, is what's valued and that that's that helps you get more work next time basically yeah it's quite hard but it, it's just really about initiative I think it's like just trying to be smart about how you how you're working and who you're who you're working with and trying to say yes to as many things as possible but also um, trying to keep a balance so that you don't run yourself into the ground yeah and so and because you need to make some money as well there's no right or clear path but I think so my big advice is to study learn the skills because as I said when I when I did come and I got in touch with people I had the skills that they needed um, and so I got work what is for you the best aspect of working as a designer <laughs> what, what do you enjoy the most That's really hard. Um, <laughs> I like a lot. I like a lot of it, but I really like working with with people in teams. Yeah. Because um, one path people can go down is in fine arts, but then often you end up. Although these days things are changing and moving more towards collectives, so that's interesting. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I really like working in teams with people, and and I like uh, imagining how a, an event or a show could could feel to be in um, so I kind of I really like the beginning stages of Im just imagining things and then the end stages of working with lots of people to to finally pull it all together yeah so you've got a nice mix of working on your own and then being yeah. with a large group of people to, to make to make it happen basically yeah, yeah I really like it and I think throughout my Uh, I don't know, throughout my schooling, education, I've, I never really wanted to specialize in anything. I was the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I always liked all the things, and I really liked maths, but I also liked art. And yeah. I wanted to do physics and art at the same time, and I found that difficult with a, a clash in high school. 
Um, because so anyway, I've managed to find <clears throat> a career where I kind of don't need to choose because every show is different, completely different. The ideas are different. Um, and also in terms of the skills you need, they're also so diverse in yeah. terms of like art and as well as text analysis and literature and uh, and visual arts and sort of architecture and geometry. So it's just a lot of different fields that are really interesting and that I, I don't need to like leave anything behind, which is nice. Yeah. You've been listening to the Opera North Artistic Futures podcast with designer Anna Yates. Next time, I will be speaking to operatic baritone Themba Mvula. He will be taking on the role of Marilo in Opera North's new production of Rigoletto, which will open at Leeds Grand Theatre at the end of January. If you have any burning questions for our future guests or would like to suggest people you would like to meet, please email education at opranorth.co.uk. You can also find us on Twitter, search Opera North Education. See you next time! Bye.